right, so hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Kavij Screening Room. I'm your host, Kavij Julinas, and I'm joined by the one and only Kayvon Julinas. What is up? What's up? How have you been in this post-Oscars world that we failed to predict? I thought I did a decent job. I actually don't even remember your picks. I just remember them being, did you say West Side Story was going to win Best Picture? No. What did you I say? Thought, I thought of anything Best Directing. Oh, interesting. Anyway, I've I've made it a goal. We've talked about this. We're not going to talk that much about the Oscars. We're not going to talk about certain controversy. Um, just because it's been like two weeks and I've, I don't know about you. I'm kind of sick of reading about all this stuff on Twitter. I'm assuming you are too, if it's still coming up on your feed. One week, one really long week. One very long week. A lot of takes, but not yeah. from Daniel Radcliffe, most importantly. Okay. <laughs> um. We're also not going to talk about The Lost City, which I just realized also came out. Good time, though. I enjoy- I had ba- I had a lot of fun. I don't know about you. Yeah, it was all right. It was like exactly what you expected. Yeah. Sometimes that's good, though. Um, so it's basically everything that has happened in the past two weeks, except one movie that came out in New York last week, came out in Boston and select cities this past week, and is now coming out nationwide tomorrow, April 8th. That is A24's newest movie directed by The Daniels, Daniel Scheinhart and Daniel Kwan called Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is safe to say, I think for both of us, is going to be one of our favorite movies of the year. Gotta be. So for people who don't know about this movie, which has been making incredible money so far, I I don't know about you. I saw it at a packed theater. I was actually curious. Was your theater crowded for this? Uh, there were like no seats open. No, exactly. It is a movie that more so than anything I've seen recently begs to be seen on a big screen. I could have done with any of the um, Marvel schlock on a smaller screen. I don't know if the Academy voters thought about the same thing, but this is something that is just the magic of movies. Basically, it is a multiverse story about a elderly Chinese woman who's a laundromat um, who works at a laundromat and owns the laundromat if I'm not mistaken you are not mistaken let's go and gets sucked into this parallel dimension world where she has to fight to save herself and the world around her obviously the multiverse is a topic that has been explored and is continuing to be explored we have Doctor Strange coming out in a month and obviously Spider-Man came out this is nothing like those movies this is the concept amped up to the highest degree uh spinal tap reference turned up to 11 like everything is happening in this movie and it is wonderful so Kayvon what what were your first thoughts about this movie did you go into it knowing a lot because I'd only seen the trailer once and I've since revisited it and kind of worried that it could be potentially easy to spoil certain aspects of this movie through the trailer so what did you think uh I mean, I saw, I saw the trailer the day it came out, um, and I was obviously very excited for it, even though I didn't really like Swiss Army Man that much. Um, but I thought the story was, like, way more interesting, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of hope for it, just given the cast and the fact that, I don't know, I feel like making a multiverse movie now, the bar is kind of low. I agree. Other than Into the Spider-Verse. Um, so I was excited for a new take on it, too. And, like, Michelle Yeoh, is that how you say her last name? Yeah. Uh, 
like her being whatever, like the superhero of the movie is like the best casting choice of all time. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's really interesting the fact that for me, it's one of those movies that during the middle of the movie, I was sitting there with two simultaneous thoughts in my mind. I was like, first off, how do you manage to write a script for like this concept and make it this intricate and so detailed? But honestly, even more impressive is how do you transfer whatever you've written to look like it does? The fact that from that opening scene, which basically just shows her daily routine at the laundromat, the editing is already so in your face in like the Mm -hmm. best way possible that you already feel the sense of disorientation before the multiverse hijinks even start. And from there, it's a mix of pretty much everything you can imagine. Like it captures pretty much every component of the multiverse. By capturing like, I would say like five-ish distinct storylines that are so different in tone and theme yet connect to each other really well mm-hmm. and are transformed and combined into one cohesive product. There's aspect ratio changes. There's frequent location changes, yet it doesn't feel to the point where I'm lost. I always feel really tuned into what's happening. And it's the, it's the fact that all of this is happening that is what keeps me entertained which I feel like is not usually the case for these kinds of movies. I don't know. Did you feel this way? No, definitely. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was, like, just awesomely executed. And so just, like, intensely written. Mm-hmm. Just, like, the attention to detail was so insane. But I feel like if you make a multiverse movie, especially one like this, where, like, it's one character in different, like, realities of themselves, like, you, it has to be pretty detail-oriented. But yeah, they they like execute it in a way that it was just so easy to follow what was going on. Mm-hmm. I think the thing about this too is like, uh, you could be like an asshole and try and think about like, or like nitpick at like all, like how is this happening? Like it's, you know, trying to think everything through. But if you just like kind of take what they give you, they like give you the perfect amount of information you need to just have like an awesome time. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think part of that is the script. I think, it's interesting to me, the three-part structure, which is employed in this movie. Um, I thought that was obviously. interesting, too. I thought it was weird, honestly. It's fascinating to me because the parts are not equal in length at all. Like, part well, one first is... first one is, like, over half the over movie. Over half the movie, yeah. And then part two is, like, you kind of think the movie's winding down a little bit, and then part two happens, and it takes on a different dimension. And then part three is, like, two minutes. Yeah. Um, I agree. I don't know if that part is necessary, and I, I didn't think it anchored the movie, but at the same time, a movie like this shouldn't be anchored or held back in any way. And I don't think they do that. I mean, not to get into spoilers, but some of the some of the effects and alternate realities in this movie are like batshit crazy. Not to spoil a scene, but there's like a pretty long sequence that is completely silent and is absolutely incredible. And I'm not going to... I mean, to the art theater was not quiet during that scene. <laughs> Exactly. And that's the amazing part about this movie is it generates such reactions that you're sitting in a theater where you just see images on screen and hear the laughter of everyone around you. And it kind of feels like this is what movies used to be and what movies that are made this well and can grasp the viewer's attention this much can do. I also will preface this that my theater started cheering at the Nicole Kidman AMC ad. So I kind of knew. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of knew what to expect. Someone was so excited. Everyone was like quoting it at the end. Um, But I was also 
thinking about this during the movie i was kind of just sitting like nicole kidman does in that ad with like my eyes glued to the screen and like smiling below my, my mask eyes did not leave the screen once <laughs> exactly it's like this very immersive experience so i want to talk a little bit about the action sequences because there are so many i've read somewhere that the budget for this is 25 million dollars and it looks like a lot more um the action sequences the choreography is amazing it's super well shot um there is a lot of editing in the scenes but nothing that feels really out of place and we'll talk about the performances in a second but they're all performed beautifully so what did you think of the action sequences particularly as the movie nears its climax um Honestly, like the action sequences, I feel like for the most part are in the first part of the movie, which is just not the first part, but like the first, I guess, like labeled part of the movie. Um, but they're all amazing. <laughs> I think like, it's like such like a fresh take on an action scene to have like a character channeling another version of herself skills that just like don't really have much to do with fighting other than like the one like, uh, was it like Kung Fu one? Mm-hmm. But like like I don't know, usually utilizing like a like a hibachi chef's hand skills for for fighting is it's it's like fucking genius. It's so cool. Yeah, the, and sign, also, the sign, the sign, the sign is the best one in my opinion. Um, especially because it's hinted at really early in the movie to the point where I was like, why are they even showing this scene? And then I was like, oh. And I also think the again, not a spoiler. We're kind of refraining from spoilers here, but the idea that you have to do certain weird things to achieve your skills so fun is something that is such a simple concept yet creates like 75 different gags within the span of a movie and like creates very visceral reactions in the viewer um there's certain sequences i had to look away so i guess i did look away from the screen just in very odd situations um but it is that idea that this whole movie is focused on disorienting you and i think the action sequences are a major part of that and they honestly cannot be talked about without talking about the performances. Michelle Yeoh, Kehu Kwan from The Goonies, who's back. And we're oh. glad to have him. He killed it. He like, hasn't um, changed it at all. I know. And <laughs> Stephanie Sue. So what did you think of these three performances? Did you think they have the chemistry to support this family dynamic, especially as it gets tested throughout the movie? Definitely. That's all I have to say. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I mean, they act like a real family, honestly. Like you can see, like especially like the at the beginning, like the struggles that they have in the family, and kind of just like the ways that the different realities or the different versions of themselves interact with each other, and it's like always like it's not like always two versions from the same reality interacting with one another, and you still see like chemistry between them because they're like the same people, just at different as results of different like decisions in their life um but like i guess like it's the one that sticks out to me is like the the movie theater or the movie star one the one car why um, the one car why shout out which is so fire so cool um yeah i mean i feel like the experience makes you like i don't know like feel connected to the characters and feel like invested in their story and you like want to root for them just because like I just feel like they like embody like a very real experience for a lot of people, a lot of families, and it like kind of portrays the struggle, or, like the like the immigrant struggle, and kind of like 
the culture clash which is obviously like a pretty big proponent of the movie mm-hmm. um like growing up in america um as like a first generation american and just like the differences um also like the closeness of the family like business like all of that it's like it was like a very real portrayal of the family i agree i think that all three of them are excellent at communicating different emotions that are so visceral that you feel them which is kind of what you're talking about especially in the opening scene with stephanie sue's reactions to the events happening in that where like it already kind of punched me deep to the point where seeing these different realities and that idea that everyone has like what if I'd done this what if my life had become this and kind of seeing how maybe in a more philosophical sense like we're pretty tuned to where we're supposed to be mm-hmm. and everything brings us back to that which is a major theme in this movie the idea that you can take all these different paths but you're kind of connected to the same people um, it's something that was so fascinating to me and you do have to portray different characters and you do have to not only fight in different ways depending on what like universe you're from but you have to portray your character in their alternate life right and that's something that's only achieved through snapshots it's only cross cut with like certain action sequences going on for the most part except i would say the Wong Kar Wai one which is kind of infused for like longer mm-hmm. portions of time but that's that's a different character it's the same person but you're portraying a different character so the fact that they're able to do all of this is so impressive and I don't know about I think you especially like his I think his was like the one that stood out to me the most just because like whenever like Maybe. Michelle Yeoh or um the daughter would like uh like go between different uh like versions of themselves you would kind of see that transition like especially like when they're at like the auditor's office or whatever like the way he just like immediately just gets into it like is it becomes another character and there's like no hint of that other than just like his kind of the way that he acts it out yeah and taking his glasses off. So funny. I also just think his Tony Lung-esque portrayal is like amazing. I was like, I agree. The fact that you can reach the spectrum of emotions is so incredible. And also he needs to be just cast in more movies. Um, he has like such a like good filmography though. It's like this, The Goonies, and like an Indiana Jones movie, I, I think. No, but um, I was listening to an interview with the directors on the Big Picture podcast, and the way he walked into the audition was like the the directors described it as exactly how he acts in the movie, like just super excited, super polite, like really energetic. I'm like, he's such a king. He is literally such a king. Cast him in everything, but yeah, the performances are great. Also, crazy supporting cast that I wasn't expecting. I mean, Jamie right. Lee Curtis is advertised pretty well, and. I was not expecting this much from that performance. Like, I thought she was going to be maybe in a scene or two. Right, but she's just, like, a pretty constant throughout the entire movie, especially and the also first part. Her performance gives. She also has to kind of, like, hone in on that emotional aspect, especially in the wackiest storyline in a movie ever <laughs> that I don't want to spoil, but does have the greatest 2001 Space Odyssey reference attached to it. Sure. Um, that set my theater in, like, hysterics i don't know if this happened for you like there were claps when that happened i mean the dude who was sitting directly in front of me literally would not shut the fuck up the entire time like he wasn't just laughing he was like shrieking oh my god <laughs> i get and, it like the, there was like a woman behind it was so funny there's like a woman behind us who was just like very very audibly crying for like the like the second part and like into the third part and you you could just like hear her just like apologizing she's like it's just so (laughs) emotional and it's so real honestly i get it i was like it had hit me 
by the time oh, that like that. Um, also, two other people, Harry Shum Jr. from Glee, King. That was that was kind of my favorite storyline, honestly. It's Not so, favorite, but I thought it was the fucking funniest by far. As soon as she said Raccoonie, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess for people who haven't seen it, she was thinking of Ratatouille. Yes. I just, I had even blocked that specific moment out. Everything is so connected. Um, and also they're referencing movies, but not overdoing it. Like, it doesn't feel like they're just like, oh my God, this is how much we love boobies. We have to reference all these certain things. It's kind of just like portraying certain things, using them as a means of portraying certain things. Yeah, because if you hadn't seen like a Wong Kar Wai movie, you would have never even thought twice about that, that like exactly. segment. And the way that you can like tell is it's definitely by like the presentation of the characters, like the way they look, but also um, like the cinematography and like the yep. editing right there is like exactly, like it looks like, uh, what's it like Christopher Doyle or whatever like the cinematographer who works with Wong Kar Wai on all of this stuff like it looks like he's shooting it oh yeah the thing I've learned through these past two episodes is you really know your cinematographer's names <laughs> <laughs> they're like listen they're the, they're the unsung hero they're the best yeah I mean also the shot of smoke coming out while it rains standing with glasses against the wall talking about exactly. love and like past reflections I I agree. You wouldn't be able to notice, but if you can notice, it's like the greatest feeling of just like not feeling like a movie is ripping off the movies you love, but honoring it by putting just enough of a spin on it and giving it enough context to feel different. Like my friend who I went with, like was so excited. She turned to me. She's like, Wong Kar Wai. I was like, yeah. And like, exactly. Well, it's just cool that like a, like a movie, I, the 2001 is, uh, yeah, obviously it was funny, but like, the Wong Kar Wai is cool for like a movie about a Chinese family that has like a lot of Chinese culture like kind of infused into it to like have that ode to like a China, like an ancient, uh, not an ancient, an epic Chinese director. Yeah. I also, just to go back to the performances for a second, Jenny Slate is also in this movie. So funny. So oddly. <laughs> She's in like a total of three scenes, I think. And it's so funny that they just don't give her a name. It's just big nose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, all the performances are great. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the themes. I don't know. For me, it was balancing a lot of different things. I feel like the idea of motherhood and wanting your kids to be like you, but also like slowly coming to terms with the fact that they're their individual people Mm -hmm. was a big thing. I also thought, the, Coper- the Copernican turn and the idea that like you're not the center of the world you're part of it was something that was slowly unraveling itself throughout the movie and then at the end especially with I, we've referenced it like 75 times with the Wong Kar Wai storyline like the fact that we can take separate routes and still end up together and then the ideal between or then the theme of idealism versus reality where you want your life to be something that we all, as I said, that we all suffer from. And then like the reality never living up to that. We're all things that were explored, but not overdone. I didn't walk away feeling like, all right. It's not like don't look up where you guys went like way too hard with the theme. Yeah, it's like not too preachy. And just kind exactly. of- Exactly. And it's something that is like, all these themes are defined pretty early in part one. And then you let, it kind of simmers throughout the rest of the movie, which is something that I'm not like, is- 
much harder to pull off than if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. The themes were definitely apparent, but I think they weren't overdone. Like they were done very tastefully. A hundred percent. I guess like maybe the whole like like I, I don't even know how to describe it without spoiling it, but like the whole like end of the second part was maybe a little preachy, but I think it was still done in a way that like infused enough like humor and just like realism into it. If like not obviously literally realism, but just like you know, like I get it into it that it's just like it wasn't like too in your face, if that makes any sense. Dude, I have me like tearing up. Like I know. This is funny God. because if people listen to this and they haven't seen it, we're just gonna sound like fucking idiots. I know. I'm hoping that this will convince them to see it though, since we've sung its praises for like 20 minutes now. True. I mean, yeah, I my theater was packed and mine was too. We we were supposed to go at 3:30 and we're late, so we're like, okay, we're not gonna go to this one. That one was packed. Mm. Um, because we had to see it to get tickets, obviously. And then we were yeah. planning on going to the six o'clock also packed like jam-packed and we ended up not going to that one and going to the one at 6 45 which was also packed and so wow. i'm just assuming that they were all packed i was gonna go today but like the theater near me was like sold out because the it's like a recliner theater but yeah i mean i would say the one thing is if you're in a city and they're showing it in like a premium format did you see it in imax or anything no i wish honestly okay there's i know they're showing it at least here in amc prime which i don't even know what that is and then regal whatever the regal upgraded not imax version is they're also showing it in that um simply because i think there's a lot of demand for people to see this on like a giant screen and it looks amazing um but yeah i did they were showing it throughout the week in imax um thank you it was i mean you can still notice a lot of the things like, it obviously doesn't go full IMAX ratio. It's mostly how the aspect ratios change, which is really interesting because they happen so suddenly. But, like, the transition is very smooth. Yeah, I didn't really notice them. Oh, well, if you see it again. Um, but that being said, yeah, definitely see this in a theater. I honestly hope it does well because it's one thing to have, like, original content. Like, The Lost City is technically an original property that had not been invented. But this is on a different level. Like this is something that is taking things that people are familiar with and subverting them so much that it comes out and feels like a whole product of its own. Any final thoughts on everything everywhere all at once? Um uh, yes. <laughs> I can't remember things that I thought were really cool. I thought the way that uh whatever the villains like Java Tupac or whatever. That's an ode to them. They just like actually never get the name right in the movie as well. So <laughs> the way that she like moves between the realities is so fucking cool. Like with just so cool. like the, the head nod is just fucking awesome. So cool. That's my final thought. Okay. I that's emphasized in the trailer as well. And the idea that her like fingernails are changing. Like in it looks real time. So good. Yeah, it's so fun. Honestly, the $25 million surprised me. It's like, this looks much better than any movie with a bigger budget. True. And there were like a lot of effects. A lot of effects. I mean, maybe all of them didn't look great, but I think that's like, was part of it. Like the movie not like taking itself way too seriously to the point where it's annoying. Yeah. 
And I also think that's kind of the benefit of the doubt with a movie with this plot is that you can you don't you can't fault it for these things right. because you don't know what was intended and what just like naturally happened. Well, the movie would have been terrible if they if they gave it like a three hundred million dollar budget and just like just animated the shit out of everything. It just would have been fucking dumb. I also feel like it wouldn't make sense because it's like a very personal movie amidst all of the chaos of like your other selves. There's something so intrinsically personal about this movie that none of the themes are anything that are unattainable in our lives. Right. And we're not, as we know of, we're not part of a multiverse. Um, our, I guess AMC we'll find has, our AMC has like movie posters in the hallway, um, the classics, like I'm sure a lot of movie theaters do. Yeah. Mm. But there was a Pulp Fiction one like right outside the theater and somebody had put the, the googly eyes on uh, <laughs> was it Uma Thurman. Yeah. Yeah, they had put it on her eyes, and it was awesome. Stop. They're selling them on the A24 website. Eyes again. I know. Bangers, though. All right, so that is everything everywhere all at once, which is introducing the second half of this podcast, because as I was watching this movie, the only thing I could think, well, one of the only things I could think of is that this is like a chaotic but good movie, which then got me thinking about the fact that that's kind of a really cool genre, or I don't know if you consider it a genre a very cool classification of movies because it shows that the director, the screenwriter, everyone involved in the film has managed to take this concept that could easily be messed up. But like, if you change one thing, the entire thing could topple and have managed to maybe not perfect it, but keep it to this level that makes it enjoyable and not frustrating. Um, so I've been thinking about this a lot and I guess I would describe a chaotic but good movie and add on to this, correct me if you think different, is a movie that is enjoyable but contains a lot of elements, odd plot points, interesting plot twists, and an overwhelming sense of disorientation while you're watching the movie and while you think about the movie. Would you say that's valid? Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, it was hard to think of movies for this, just given that like there's definitely not a single movie that's chaotic in the same way that everything everywhere all at once is. Valid. Um, and yeah, like chaos, because I feel like my list of movies is just like they're not really similar. And I literally just changed one right now. I noticed that while I was reading the definition, I was like, oh my god, in real time. No, literally, yeah, I, I, I agree. Saying. No, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, this is as we said, like everything happening is on overdrive, whereas I don't know, looking back at chaotic movies, it's usually the fact that you remember certain elements that are kind of mashed together or you remember something really weird that's driving the plot point. And I guess we can get to that with my first movie. Um, basically, these movies aren't in order. They're just eight movies that we wanted to highlight. Um, and my first movie had to, had to do it to them. It's Annette, um, the 2021 Leos Carax movie um, themed by Sparks. Shout out to Sparks. Recently saw them in concert. They're working on another movie musical, which is a banger. Thank God. And this is a movie that is about a couple madly in love and also about the exploitation of their daughter, who's played by a doll. A puppet. A puppet, my bad. And it's an exploration of how people use other people and attempt to profit off of them. Genuinely one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I think it's the weirdest movie I've ever watched. Yeah, it's very funky. The musical elements, it is a musical also, <laughs> um, are very, very 
overdrawn and all the songs are so <laughs> deadpan in what they're saying. But at the same time, the more I think about it, the more I like it. I think everyone is kind of going for it in this movie. Um, I haven't seen that many Leo's Carax movies, so I don't know how to compare, but it does contain that sense of overwhelmingness. And it's mostly like the what, what the hell is going on? Why is this puppet involved? Why is she descending into an arena for the Super Bowl at like the hour and a half mark in this movie? That kind of turns any, like you were saying, any like unrealistic effect or anything is kind of disregarded for the fact that they're just going for it. And that's a lot more interesting. So um, do you have any thoughts on this movie? I think we both think pretty similarly about it. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have any other thoughts on this movie, honestly. Just go stream baby in that. So true. She's just been cast in Oppenheimer with everyone else in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is streaming on Amazon Prime. So Kayvon, what is your first movie? Which is, I was not expecting you to put. Oh, Army of Darkness. It has to be Army of Darkness. Valid. I, I, wanna... I don't think you've seen it, right? The Evil Dead one? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Oh, okay. So then, yeah. So you can understand why it's there. I don't remember it very well. It's the one with the chainsaw arm, right? Yeah. So basically, the, the guy from, like, the first two Evil Dead movies just somehow gets just, like, thrown back into medieval times. And... He has to fight like this evil power there and he it's just like i don't know it's just like so different than the first two evil dead movies it's like what the first one takes place in, like literally a cabin in the woods and now he's just like in some medieval times with his chainsaw arm <laughs> and he's just doing whatever the fuck he wants and it's so awesome and it's so like funny and it again it just like doesn't take itself too seriously which is to its benefit for sure it just makes mm. it that much cooler uh but yeah i felt like that definitely had to go there yeah and that raises an interesting question is can most b movies be classified as chaotic but good movies so i feel like there's a strong case that at least the ones that are enjoyable can be just because there is that like what the hell is going on I, doesn't he work at like kmart he works at like yeah supermarket <laughs> yeah um Honestly, I've heard Evil Dead 2 is kind of similar. Like, that it's, like, mostly funny. I mean, yeah. Evil Dead I've never seen funny. it. I've well, seen Evil seen Dead. I've seen Evil Dead 2 either. Okay. It's Sam Raimi, right? Yeah. Let's go, King. I don't know if he did the third one. Um, so my second movie, I don't think you've seen. It is an anime called The Night is Short Walk on Girl, um, which is Masaki Yuaza, who I think is one of the most interesting anime directors working today for feature films, at least. Um, although his series are also great. And it is this disorienting story of kind of a love story. This guy pursuing a girl through the night, but not in a creepy way. Um, <laughs> through the night of this summer in Tokyo, I believe that each act is super distinct and has the weirdest sets. Like there's a traveling Shakespeare troupe that runs in to like a setting sets up an entire elevated stage performs takes it down runs away and then are being chased by a group of campus security kids there's like a used book fair with this competition where you have to eat like really spicy food to then um 
get this book that he wants to get for this girl. So it's all these really, really odd set pieces that take place over the longest night of all time because then it ends with like a blizzard or something. It's very, very weird. Very interesting movie that (laughs) visually is stunning and it's based off a book. The book is also great, but kind of captures that feeling of like the cool breeze of a summer night in a way that I feel like most movies can't really do. And that's what stuck with me most from this movie. I would recommend it. I don't know if you've seen it or I don't I think you have. I don't even think I've heard of it. Yeah, it, I think it came out in 2017. It's on HBO Max. At least it was. Um, and it's definitely an interesting and very unique anime. And if, if anyone's seen it and likes it, his show, The Tatami Galaxy, is very, very similar to this concept. And it's even more disorienting, especially because it is only subtitled and it is the fastest speaking show I've ever heard. Like the subtitles come and go in like three seconds. So prepare yourselves for that, but also a great show. Um, Kayvon, what is your second movie? After Hours. I've actually never seen this. It's, yeah, it's Marty, obviously. <laughs> um, but it's so good. It's just like so unlike his other movies. Uh, basically, it's just this, I don't even really remember the, like the plot exactly there's just this guy and just like shit keeps happening to him it's like one of those movies where just like nothing goes his way Mm. um and it all takes place like pretty late at night and it's just such a fuck it's just like it's like the i don't know like the only like anxiety inducing movie Mm. because you're just watching it just like oh my god the entire time which is awesome um (laughs) But, I mean, it's not awesome, but then, like, looking back at it, it's, like, that ruled. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Banger. <laughs> Definitely. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. I know. I've been meaning to get to it. I don't know what's been stopping me, because I've been trying to complete his filmography um, for a very long time. I also feel like Departed is low-key chaotic, but good. There's so much going on in that movie. But there's, there's just, like, so much going on in all of these movies. That's also true. Um, I will get to it. It's one of his shorter movies, too. So usually his movies that. run pretty long. Yeah. I think it's on the Criterion channel. It was for a time. Um, so my third movie, back to movies we've both seen, is a movie that has, I think it's been out for a year now. Recently saw a clip from it this morning on Twitter and was just I reminded of, of how good this movie is. It's called Shiva Baby. I've talked about this movie on the pod before. Um, it is a story of a young girl in university i think in her final year of undergraduate who goes to a shiva which is a jewish um, funeral i think the after event of a funeral if i'm not mistaken where she runs into her baby daddy who she learns is sugar daddy her sugar daddy my my apologies and finds out that he's would be crazy (laughs) that would also yeah that would be crazy finds out he's married and has a kid and it's basically a horror movie without any pop-out scares it is the most anxiety i guess it's not the most anxiety inducing because it sounds like after hours is chaos um but is this overwhelming sense it's set in the midst of a single house and you feel so claustrophobic because it goes on there's like a horror sounding score in the background as this young girl tries to figure out what's happening and avoid revealing anything but also like trying to reveal some things I don't know. It's what do you, what do you think about this? This is a pick. No, it's definitely makes sense. I'm seeing now that like all of our movies are just like kind of just like I don't know. It's like it's hard to compare them to everything everywhere all at once. Like they're so chaotic in such a different way. 
Yeah. Well, I think chaos is super subjective too. No, it definitely um, is. But it's funny that it's, I guess it's more telling that it's just like we couldn't think of anything remotely similar to everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about it. There's like nothing on that level. I think that's what's amazing about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Shiva Baby's good. It, it is if you, entertaining for sure. If you like deadpan humor, this is your movie. Like everyone is giving the most deadpan performances of all time in the best way possible. Sure. And it's like 75 minutes. Shout out Diana Agron. Where has she been since this movie? Has she been in anything? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I recently saw a trailer on Twitter that she was in. Is that I'm number four too? I don't think I'm number four too. It was called I'm number four too. Yeah, that would be I'm chaotic. number 42. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're still the only supporter of that movie. My movie is good. The girls like it. Oh, okay. So you're one of three supporters of that movie. So also, that bring back Alex in. Petrifier. That's definitely not his thing. Is it not? Petrifier? Alex Petrifier? I don't know how to say it, but it's definitely not petrified. Bring back the main character from I'm number four. And Magic Mike. Yes. Well, Magic Mike 3 on the way. True. But he moved with Dallas, so he's out of the picture. Unless he's not. Steven? <laughs> Steven, you know what you have to do. Okay, so what is your third movie? Um, what is my third movie? Oh, it was a good time. Um josh and benny safety classic um again in anxiety inducing cinema which i feel like they were pretty masterful at, honestly yeah uh, between that and uncut gems but yeah just absolutely the weirdest movie of all time the plot is like this guy robs a bank with um his brother who i think has like some sort of uh mental illness and just like everything goes wrong like they robbed the bank in the first like two minutes of the movie the the money's got um what of that shit on it that like explodes um and like dies it and dies like everything hmm. um and then it's just like they get separated it, it's just like literally just like a shit show for the rest of the movie um it's definitely one of the weirder movies i've seen yeah obviously that has to star rob patterson <laughs> So true. And Benny Safety, who are both awesome in the movie. Um, the writing is weird. There is that. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it since 2017. So it's been a very long time. There's like that one weird part of the story that I'm still not sure why it's there. Um, and if you watch it or if you've seen it, you know exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's, it's like parallel with Uncut Gems and just how fucking messy it is it's honestly it's the most captivating kind though like again you're not really looking away from the screen at least maybe during that one scene um okay so my final movie we have both seen because i think you recently watched this it's probably the most chaotic movie on my list it is speed racer definitely a movie i have somehow seen twice in like three months as part of my major (laughs) and is obviously adapted from the anime manga or the anime and manga and is the weirdest live action adaptation ever that works in a way that no other live action movie works. 
everything in this movie is so digitized like the it looks like an animated movie with characters it looks like it looks like a uh like a robert rodriguez movie no exactly the spy kids aesthetic is insane it's also a movie that's editing is the oddest thing because characters like flash across the screen at all these given moments has some of the funniest dialogue that i still don't know if it's meant to be taken completely seriously and i feel like there's no way it should be but it's also just like a great time um i've had the fortunate pleasure of seeing this in a theater twice and it's a movie that again like everything everywhere beckons to be seen with a crowd because you need to have that sense of like community um i know you didn't see it in a theater but (laughs) it still needs to be said um also just very enjoyable and i feel like a lot of the wachowski sisters movies can be defined as chaotic but good yeah true just because they go for it every single time and i think that's so much more interesting than trying to play it safe or running a formula yeah agreed i honestly don't like the first half of speed racer i think it drags a little bit but then like the second the second half is so good shout out susan sarandon (laughs) just because um I agree. It's also just like a very interesting individualism versus corporatism look that wouldn't expect from a Speed Racer adaptation, yet here we are. So if you haven't seen Speed Racer, it's a pretty good time. Kayvon, what is your final last minute changed movie? Um, It had to be Fury Road. I feel like uh, it's just the movie's obviously chaos. We went into it not having seen any of the previous three Mad Max movies. Um, but they got a completely new cast. Uh Max is just in the world doing his thing. Uh and the movie just like immediately you just like thrown into action. Mm. Um and there's just like no there's like not really any like super solid background on anybody that's given. It's kind of just like on a need to know basis. <laughs> um, Mad Max says like three words the entire movie. Yeah, Max is a pretty quiet guy. Uh, he definitely gets up to no good, though. But, yeah, I think in terms of, like, I think editing is what makes this movie, like, really just chaotic. Um, just the way that it's edited. And, again, like, the way it's directed and the stunts, it's just, like, all crazy for its two-hour runtime. The score is just insane. Um, and there's, like, rarely any rest. I would say, like, maybe, like, half an hour yeah like being generous half an hour of rest for the entire movie i mean this movie's so well known that this won't even come as a spoiler but like it's doing the journey resting for like 10 minutes and then just doing the same journey again yeah exactly and it's awesome and i don't know i'm a mad max stan or not a mad max stan i'm a fury road stan for sure yeah it's just like the fact that they did all the stunts like most of the stunts they, they they did them like just crashing the shit out of those huge trucks that they built and shit it's just so fire and yeah. it's so good and it's just like i don't know i feel like maybe this has like this most similar thing to everything everywhere all at once it's just like shit that you would never think of um in terms of like character actions happen like the the dudes that are just coming back and forth on their poles um attached yeah. to the cars it's just like that's fucking crazy that's just just like like such a guitar player 
the guitar player and the drummers on the there's just there's a there's a truck that's just a music box <laughs> as there should be exactly if dude if i had an electric guitarist on my car i would i would be unstoppable it's it's not even just an electric guitar it's a fire spewing electric guitar <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i feel like maybe this was like <laughs> Uh, in terms in terms of my preference this is the um just chaotic movie yeah i also feel like controversial manufacturing decision but also so cool would have been if like fender made a limited edition guitar that spewed fire although the legal team would be buried yeah that would be insane but let's go yeah my max is good i need to revisit it um Oh, I was going to ask you something, but I completely forgot. I also feel like Loki Mission Impossible could fall into this category of chaotic for good, thinking about it. But then I'm like, there is like a little bit too much of an organizing logic around it. Yeah. To make it feel that. completely chaotic. Oh, um, obviously, Anya Taylor-Joy and the Furiosa remake, or not remake, sequel, prequel coming out. Prequel. We're two weeks out. How are we feeling about the North Man? I'm so excited. I heard that someone from the test screening complained that you need a PhD in Viking history to understand I saw that. that. But that's just like not surprising at all. I feel like Robert Eggers is so thorough in the scripts that he writes and stuff. It's just like... Also, I feel like there's not really like a lot of good... Like the... Like homages to like Viking history. I agree. But yeah, I- you have to... Um, Avenge, avenge father, save mother, kill Fjolnir. I can't wait to do all three of those things. Stop. <laughs> I still actually have never seen a full trailer for this movie. I would watch it, honestly. It looks insane. I don't know if I want to, though. I, I didn't want to see the men trailer, and I've already seen that. Like, I kind of want to go into these movies like blind. Yeah, men is going to be fire. Yeah, Alex Garland, the the new age sci- sci-fi goat. So true. Um, to Kayvon, any final thoughts on everything, everywhere, chaotic movies, anything of the sort? Watch them. <laughs> so true. All right, so thank you, Kayvon, for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure as always. You can follow him somewhere on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kavajalinas or check out my reviews at kavajareviews.com, which is updating regularly. And thank you guys for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the movie or any of the movies if you see them. And we will see you soon in the screening room. Peace out. Peace.